Today's podcast is sponsored by Carboca. Carboca is made in America with completely all-natural ingredients, so you don't have to worry about clogging your pores, and it's formulated specifically to heal men's skin with a scent that you'll love. Their products feature the power of activated charcoal to absorb over a thousand times its mass in harmful chemicals, oils, toxins, and dirt. With face washes, lotions, anti-aging cream, acne cleansers, and shaving products so that no matter what your skin needs, Carboca has something for you. Head over to carboca.com to place your order, and for a limit of time, you can receive a free sample with every purchase. like once try to locate the little Sebastian of Game of Thrones? Probably. Oh, yeah. I do remember this discussion creepily enough. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> how, would Lil, how would the Hound be the little Sebastian of Game of Thrones? I was just talking from personal it would, experience. It would be, yeah, it'd be someone lovable who's dead. Did little Sebastian die? Bro. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you know the song Bye Bye Little Sebastian? I only know I fell in the it? pit. That's the only song I know. I fell in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Can we start the episode like this? This is fun. <laughs> yes. We'll talk about everything but Game of Thrones. Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is Game of Thrones Season 7 Finale Part 2. We made it. This is our finale episode Part 2. And with us, figured it'd be no better way than to ask the help of our internet friend, Brizzy. What's up? Actress, voice actress, YouTuber. Yeah. Ron and Hermione Shipper. <laughs> Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I've been just creepily listening to you listening to you since like the end of season five. It's okay. We've been creepily watching your YouTube videos. Oh great. Yeah. Good. It's, it's, mutual. it's all mutual. <laughs> mutual creepiness. Yeah. I know. Well what do you think now that the finale's over? How do you feel about all of this? Uh slightly broken, much like a oh, wall. Well, um yeah. I mean I'm both hyped and bummed, and that's a very confusing mix. I I just don't want it to end. I don't want to wait, but at the same time, if I have to wait till 2019, I'm relieved because I'm on the third book, and I want to catch up, and I also don't want it to be over. So 2019 is a relief in a way that it's not going to be over so soon. But only six episodes. I know. <laughs> but you got plenty of time to catch up with the books. Yeah, that's the good news. When did you start your read-through? Somewhere within season five or six, probably. And and I got stuck on third book for a long time, but I'm I'm getting back, back well, to Godspeed. it. Well, <laughs> Godspeed. Godspeed. <laughs> Godspeed. Yeah. So wait till you get You're to the end it. of book three. Oh, boy. Well, what happens? <laughs> I don't want to tell you. <laughs> If you've been it's listening to our spoiler. podcast, we might have said it out loud a few times, though. Oh, I'm sorry. oh yeah, I, I do know. Okay, I, I thought you were just talking about Red Wedding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the drums, the music. But yeah, no, I do know. I know most of the things. I'm just trying to avoid the details of how they come to be. Do you find that reading through knowing the details has dulled the experience? I mean, I'm definitely a huge stickler for spoils. Um, 
my friend who is a who very personally connects with Littlefinger and and cosplays as him on the regular, looks just like him, and really, really is truly loves this character. And Game of Thrones is his favorite thing in the world. Had it spoiled for him because they weren't watching the finale until seven p.m. and I just felt. I just felt so bad for him. Aww. Someone spoiled the death of his favorite character of all time. That's rough. And, oh, it's just so rough. It's okay because I know the most important things already because of the show. And mm-hmm. it's been exciting to experience them that way. So I don't think I could read the books from the beginning if it weren't for the show. I I don't think I would be able to tough through it. I think a lot of people have that same opinion and i think a lot of people were brought to the books because of the tv show yeah the books are dense and it's a lot yeah and it's really fun to play in that world but when you have the tv show to kind of help guide through especially in the beginning as you're learning everybody's names and houses and the geography of all of it kind of puts it into a better perspective and so i think i think it's good to kind of be able to do both of those at the same time it's a that's a fun experience yeah i've also been starting to rewatch the show along with the books like try to play through season three up until the point where i'm at and then stop mm-hmm. and then go back and forth that's been interesting because obviously it doesn't match up perfectly but do you find that it's been matching enough like on the big story beats a little that... bit yeah but i once i got to the Red Wedding, and I was like, well, I don't know what to do from here, so I just <laughs> gotta read for a long time. <laughs> like, reading about what happened to Grey Wind was one thing, but seeing Grey Wind's head sewed on Rob's body, yeah. this <sighs> season finale, and even on the Beyond the Wall episode, seeing dragons fight whites yeah, for the first time, and then seeing an ice dragon. Imagine seeing ice dragons fighting fire dragons we're gonna have to no should we just jump right to the hard theories what do you think about the stark sigil possibly being in that overhead shot in the ice i definitely thought the the hard theory was going to be about Varys being a mermaid (laughs) (laughs) okay so you do listen that's our usual hard theory i feel like torment right now you do know her (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, we were recording we watched the throne last night in washington dc the moment I walked into Hannah's apartment, she was like, hey, well, I know that we have to record and it's you know, pretty late, but I need to show you this theory because people are tweeting at us that there's a Stark sigil in the ice in one of the overhead shots from the final sequence where the White Walkers were crossing the wall. Have you seen this? No. Here it is. What the F? Yeah, this series has been all over lately. And we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about Bran being the Night King and how we feel about that, which is that we don't agree with yeah. it. But this has kind of spurred a lot of that theory talk again, because if all the whites and the White Walkers are creating this Stark sigil, what does that mean? <laughs> Do we believe that that's what this actually is? I'm not totally convinced. It's convinced pretty at all. close, I'm man. not convinced at all. <laughs> I mean, it also looks like the grizzly bear mountain in Disneyland. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> So maybe that's it, but it is pretty, pretty darn close. If you turn on the side, it kind of looks like a Dole Whip as well. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a lot of things. This is true. I, I don't think it's it's perfect, but eh, it's possible. Hannah, last night you were saying it looks more like the Tully fish. Yeah, like it looks like a fish too. So if we're going to, I have a lot of feelings about this theory and I just like don't necessarily buy this as another piece to Bran being the Night King. And last night we were (laughs) stopping and playing and stopping and playing and stopping and playing (laughs) over this to 
see how it moved but yeah. is it maybe just some sort of easter egg maybe i don't know yeah. I, don't think I don't it has, think any it real has connection. a meaning if even if it is i don't think it's supposed to mean anything i definitely don't think it's in support of brand being nike <laughs> i remember your reason you said well because all the stuff fell from the wall and that's how they had to walk and then i was like well i mean none of it really fell so they had to make it that way it's just like <laughs> well that's true that's you know? true but like the topography of the land i don't know that's very strange I know that a lot of you listening are like smacking your heads right now thinking, how could you be talking about this? Because it's so silly. I know it's a little ridiculous, but <laughs> it's been you know, all over. It's a bit weird. Yeah. I mean, going back and forth between a stark sigil that is facing left, it, it's I mean, it's usually facing to the right. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you if you find one that goes to the left and going back and forth, it's pretty crazy, but definitely not perfect enough, I think, to be legit. What have your thoughts been on this season overall? Um, I'm down for it. I know a lot of people have have been very complainy, but I have had a grand old time for the most part. And um, I, I don't have a lot of complaints as far as time warping and, and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and I know like the white plan. Yeah, it's dumb. But they did a dumb thing, and I accept it. <laughs> um, uh, but I have had been so invested and excited the whole time. Uh, there have been so few boring moments that I'm just I'm mm-hmm. in it. I'm down, and it's uh, I. It's weird how few people, few important characters have died this season, but. Besides that, well, we can talk about this episode in specifics, but I feel like as we're here at the end of the season, it's just been this like major time of reflection and thinking about where we're going in season eight and kind of how we got to where we are here in season seven. And so overall, your favorite plot lines of season seven, then we can get into kind of what we're looking forward to in season eight. But curious about your thoughts Mm -hmm. because we haven't had a chance to talk about it of, of just favorite plot lines and, and moments i think part of my favorite thing of this season has just been the fact that danny's in westeros and she's doing all this and mm-hmm. able to interact with all these characters is like wow yeah it's great um and the fact that she's actually on her homeland in her home castle and like able to put together the plan and and try to figure it out and um They've given us moments where we think that they're completely turning the character over and giving getting rid of what we think Cersei is. Like, okay, she's just going to go along with this. Right. Okay, Cersei. And then she doesn't. So we can be like, all right, thank you. Uh, yeah. Of course she did it. Did you buy it when it happened when she said <laughs> for that? For like a little bit, yeah. Because I'm like, well, for a second, I'm like, well, she has a baby now. Mm-hmm. She's got something to care about. Mm-hmm. And she just saw that zombie. Look at that thing. Yeah. It ran right she, at her. She Too was close. so scared. She, yep. was she so really scared. was. She really was scared. Yeah. Have you seen the screen cap of that moment? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's something My I'm interested has in, it though. As her Facebook banner, and it's just, it's great. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Just, it, she's got this like derp face and double chin it's wonderful that's awesome <laughs> we don't get to see cersei so unkempt very often if at all ever never that's another yeah that's another great thing from this season that we've got we've gotten a lot of characters in emotional states that we never see before like baelish in this he's finally been bested and doesn't know what to do we've never seen that before we've never seen cersei really scared we've never seen i mean we've never seen euron act scared if he was actually scared or not uh maybe not but he did just walk away that was (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was such a surprise and i was thinking is this a 
I was wondering if anyone would speak up or if someone would shout like, that's not my urine. You know, because <laughs> like it felt like in that moment, regardless of whether or not it was true, as we find out, to have urine walk away from a situation was the scariest thing about <laughs> the whites that I have seen yet. Somebody like Euron, who's so over the top, to be yeah. like, I'm out. I'm done with this. <laughs> he goes, can they swim? Peace out. <laughs> <See ya. laughs> exactly. That was a moment of, all right, well, maybe we should reevaluate what we're doing here. If Euron Greyjoy is too afraid to fight. But we learn, and I have a lot of questions about this, and, and we can discuss that he's headed to grab the Golden Company and, and then come back. And so right. curious on your guys' thoughts on Cersei's plan and what that means and how she can be successful and what success would look like for her in season eight. Yeah, I've been very confused as to what Cersei's plan really is. Like she's throwing some armies up with them and then they're going to turn on them or they're going to run away or she's going to keep reserve some armies secretly to go take over the rest of the country while they're gone. I don't really get it. Chaos. Yeah, I think she's really banking on everybody heading north to be wiped out. Yeah, so sending all of her armies and all of her bannermen north and then just using the Golden Company to take over everything else, or? The Army of the Dead's only 100,000 people at this point. I feel like we had that force in season four. Remember when Mansa's people attacked? They had 100,000 wildlings, and I know it was disseminated some by just the size of the wall and the way they had to split up, but also, mm-hmm. you know, Stannis' cavalry, if you remember, kind of just rode through them pretty hard. So we've got... Dothraki screamers, we've got Golden Company folks, and we've got the White Walkers coming through the wall. I don't know. I, I think that the numbers might be a little confusing. I think that might be why we're a little bit off on it, or yeah. at least for me. And of course, Jamie, I mean, she let Jamie leave, so he's just going to tell everyone that she's not doing it anymore. <laughs> she told him the whole plan, and then he walked away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know where he goes, he's going to have the. The, perp- the people that he goes to next, he's going to be like, here's the idea. She's not really on our side and the Golden Company are there. So yeah. their attention is going to be split between the actual threat of the White Walkers, but also knowing what she's doing south of them. They need to have another dragon pit meeting. All right, let's look at this again. <laughs> let's come back to the <laughs> come back to the center. <laughs> Meanwhile, Car Starks, Car Starks and Umbers are just dropping like flies. Quick sidebar, I just sent something to you guys on Skype. You mentioned the dragon pit, and it reminded me of one of Kim's tweets from earlier today. My friend Kim, yes. look at that tweet. I definitely read like a post on Reddit that was in this vein. Wonderful. <laughs> the Game of Thrones spinoff I want. John and Davos doing Westeros infomercials about effective so... products that kill whites and white walkers. The way he <laughs> was so very serious about having Davos light the torch, and then he held yeah. it up, and then he brought <laughs> the white arm up in front of him yeah. and brought them together. It was very... Very infomercially, yeah, yeah. So as good. you can see here, mm-hmm. one torch properly lit and applied to the arm. <laughs> Davos and John can sell me anything. Yeah, you can't help but kind of laugh a little bit at their interactions, just because there's so much history, there's so much weight, the stakes are so high, and here they are in the same place in a dragon pit with a chopped up white. Yeah, even if it's just like ah. Emmett in our last episode was talking about the sort of slapstick nature of the whites. Looking at just the intensity, and apart from his posture, just to the Night King flying into the wall and it not being <laughs> not being one or two shots, but it was several several long takes of this guy blasting the wall with this laser blue flame, and very dramatically the 
White Walkers crossing the wall with Ramin Javadi's score, and it was set up, and it's been set up this whole time. And we just finished season two on Rewatch the Throne, and that season ends with kind of an ending that's almost just like this, where it's very similar. They're outside of the Fist of the First Men, and Sam's crouched around that rock, and their army is hilariously underdressed and hilariously smaller than the one now but you know the series has been leading to it for such a long time and they've so violently took down the wall i'm just curious because we've been living inside of season seven and we've been talking about season eight sort of as an idea but now that it's definitely over and now that the three of us are right here talking what do you guys think is their next move now that we know just what's on their mind I can only imagine Kara Stark's numbers. I imagine they want to go straight down, but I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, they haven't done it before, remember? Because they were marching around the fist in season two, and I think years passed between then. What were they doing that whole time? Waiting for a dragon to come. But I think <laughs> it's a good question of, are they going to make it far past the wall? Is the Northern Army plus Danny plus maybe Jamie, are they all going to make it and meet them pretty close at the wall? Mm-hmm. Are we going to have them descending on the Karstarks and Umbers or even in Winterfell by some point in season eight or even King's Landing? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we, we know enough at this point, but it's an exciting prospect to realize that they are coming south. What if the Night King just flies ahead and goes in? finds a bunch of dead bodies from some big battle and brings those up and spreads out a bunch of separate dead armies everywhere. Yeah, they're going to be what burning if the Night dead. King just goes to King's Landing or just <laughs> flies ahead <laughs> of the Essos. rest of these guys or anywhere exactly and just with his very straight-backed posture takes everything down. <laughs> yeah, Pike is not safe turns out. <laughs> they can't swim but they can fly. Could they potentially be taken down the whole dragon be taken down by one well-placed obsidian bolt or yeah like that's arrow? the question yeah like how can, big does it does, need to be yeah does the dragon's natural armor still take you know have the same impact as a normal dragon scale when he barred i don't know i guess what if you put i guess you need a scorpion with dragon glass tipped off the obsidian i wonder if it just needs a shard though or if the whole thing needs to be a big direct hit. Mm. Hmm. I feel like at that point, you just might as well aim for the Night King himself. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I feel like the dragon's gotta go down first, though. But if the Night King's gone, then the dragon's gone. And everyone else. Yeah. Potentially. And everyone else. And he would be, I guess, sort of a reasonable target because he doesn't move around too much. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing to say. (laughs) I'm worried, though, because I know we've been talking so much about the interpersonal relationships of these characters, but now that They've crossed the wall, not that that was the last thing that we saw. I think that the way we've kind of always been telling these characters throughout the podcast, but also just in our normal lives, like, hey, I realize that all of this seems really important. I feel like it's like, uh, Hannah, it's like a Catelyn talking to Rob about Talisa. I know it seems very important, (laughs) but the White Walkers just crossed the wall. So now stuff like Tyrion and Cersei, it's like, I'm glad that you guys had that conversation then because... I don't know how much of a place it's going to have in season eight when we only have six episodes for Ugh. Ice and Fire to clash. <laughs> I feel like we had a slight concern. Concern is a not really what we were feeling, but that with a sped up season, season seven would be filled with just action, just battles, zooming from place to place. And in 
that was a little bit true, but we still had tons of time for these amazing character development and character moments. And we talked a lot about them in our last episode. And there's more to get into here. But, you know, these conversations that we had between John and Theon that aren't necessarily important in terms of how the plot is moving along, but are wrapping up these storylines that have been happening for for a long time. And in these small moments between Tyrion and Bronn, when they acknowledge to each other that they're happy to see each other and and, and <laughs> things like that. So my hope for, and, and Brizzy, you can jump in and let us know what you think. My hope for season eight is that we've got this big conflict and we've got the everything horrible to leave <laughs> coming from the north. But in those moments and in those battles, we've got what makes Game of Thrones great, these very intense and personal and poignant moments between these characters that we really care about before they all die. Yeah, I think the poignancy is key. In Game of Thrones, we always get that poignant moment before the characters die, like between Shireen and Davos and then between Marcella and Jamie. <laughs> Especially so if it's a tertiary character, you, you need that. And Todor and... um in the cave, that one sweet moment before it's time. Because, uh, yeah, they need to give us that one last moment to get attached. I can't remember if we talked about this, Zach, but when Jamie and Cersei were having their moment, did you guys feel like he was for sure going to die? I did. Not for sure. I, I was like, this is because he hasn't killed her yet, so he can't die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> Valonqar still, still still has some hope for us there. <laughs> yeah. I was definitely worried. It felt like the kind of thing that would be like a season seven grounder where it was like, uh, or right. yeah, this is gonna... like they need the big punch. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, Brizzy, you said earlier we didn't get a lot of major character deaths in this season. No. We were due. I think, and, and I think we were. <laughs> we I think we were kind too. of wait. We were kind of waiting for that, yeah. to to happen. But I can only assume this is the show giving us this false sense of security. Like, oh, don't worry, they make it out every time. You thought we just killed everyone all the time. Nope, don't worry, they're safe. And the next season, just everybody dies, and our hearts are broken all over again because we thought they were finally safe. Do you think we'll lose a Stark? We have to. Yeah, Bran, Sansa, Arya. <laughs> John, everyone's pretty happy with each other. We're in a place <laughs> potentially yeah. better relationships than they've had Absolutely. the whole season. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, especially Arya and Sansa and Sansa and John and Theon and everyone. Mm-hmm. I guess the whole series, I mean. Yeah. So is that the point? Is that poignancy that we're afraid is going to be? <laughs> yeah, they're getting paid along. for later. They're screwed. I can't oh, even think about it, honestly. <laughs> well, since we're talking about That's Theon, what do you two believe? Moving into season eight, Theon Greyjoy's purpose with the rescuing of his sister will be with Euron. Do you think that it'll it'll lead to right. something more mysterious and evil with what he's up to, or do you think it'll be just kind of a charactery redemptiony thing that yeah. maybe White Walkers will be? I mean, is Euron headed straight to Golden Company? He's not even going to be at Pike for Theon to find him. It seems so. And does Euron have Yara with him on his ship, or is he hiding her back in Pike? It seems like he would keep her on, like on his ship. Or was she so. in King's Landing? Hmm. I don't know. All we know is that he has her, whatever that means, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know where it, where it could end up. Can you imagine Theon and the Golden Company? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I may think differently in a year and a half when we are upon season eight, but I feel like for Theon, it's such a huge redemption arc that 
for him to rescue Yara and for it to maybe not necessarily change Euron's trajectory or what have you would still be a a big victory just because I think that as we've seen him through the roller coaster of the series to have him kind of stand up for Yara finally what he couldn't do at the beginning of this season and what he hasn't been able to do for himself really at all in, in a very long time him succeeding there would be enough for it to have the impact and we wouldn't feel like it was for not you know what i mean yeah but at the same time the sh- this next season is so short everything mm-hmm. has to be so important that i feel like whatever theon ends up doing and accomplishing has to have some sort of big impact on w- everything else going on or else we just we don't have time for it we need to look yeah. at everything else that's kind of a sad thought <laughs> do you think that the length of the episodes is going to allow i mean obviously there's more screen time so technically there will be more breathing room but do you guys think that that breathing room will be used for upping the intricacies of the interactions and dialogue and I guess just the complexity of the plot in general? Or do you think that that time will be dedicated to fleshing out the things that like the big moments that we can assume are definitely coming, giving them more time to breathe versus putting more in? I'm not worried, really, in terms of length anymore, because I felt like we had a lot of time in season seven and we covered a lot of ground. And so I have... Of course, I'm going to always want more time. I love 10 episodes. I love 20 episodes a season. Let's film Game of Thrones until we (laughs) can't stand anymore, you know? But I I feel like we filled a lot of space and we made a lot of progress in a way that felt rushed for sure and simplified, yes, because of course it's going to be a little bit simplified, but but I I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like it didn't do the story justice, if you know what I mean. And so I feel confident in if we have six episodes left and whatever space of time we have left, that it's going to be done in the best way that it possibly can. I mean, I feel like I want to backpedal a little bit because I definitely haven't agreed with how they got certain places in a lot of season seven. But um, I do feel like we're going to have enough space to accomplish what we need to accomplish and to feel the things that we need to feel with six episodes, whether they're 45 minutes or an hour and a half each. Yeah, I guess there there really is less to be worried about in that sense, since, you know, the creators have talked about how the universe is is getting smaller and shrinking and everyone's coming together into the same plot line basically and as that gets smaller and smaller it's going to take a lot less time because there's going to be a lot less different settings fewer different settings and we can focus more and and send spend more time on one thing rather than having to jump all around west westeros and essos to cover all of these different plot lines i guess we only need six episodes or they just don't have the budget, <laughs> but I, I think they can do it. And the fact that the universe is shrinking I'm so excited makes that a lot to, easier. I'm so excited for you to finish A Dance of Dragons so we can talk <laughs> about the size of the Song of Ice and Fire universe and then kind of how we feel about the fact that we're focused only in on Westeros, basically, yeah. here at the end. What if the Night King just passes over Westeros and flies to Sotheros? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> what if he goes straight to Skagos and finds the unicorns and starts making undead unicorns? Wow. I'd be really into that. <sighs> yes. And then if an undead unicorn stabs you with their horn, you become 
a white walker. Yeah, they, I mean, I guess then they would have so <laughs> many different white. Oh, you'd become something completely different. Yeah, you'd be like new a, category. a rainbow walker or something. <laughs> something very powerful. Yeah, that's cool. Head cannon. You know, this is all fun and games, but there's magic in Westeros now. You know what I mean? Like, True. Things are going down. We had shadow babies before, and that's one thing. You know, Mel- <laughs> Melisandre's been a specter, and we've had thoughts. There's been the ghost of High Heart, and you go out and you see ruins like the Whispers, or when you're out east doing anything with Daenerys, before she makes it to Karth, after she leaves Karth, the world's massive. And yeah. we've talked about how the show has made conscious decisions as to zoom in on the things that are important, like you were just saying. I thought your your point there was one of the most uplifting ones I've heard so far as a thought toward the last season, because I, I know that I think the first take that a lot of people have, or at least when conversations I've had with my friends about the next season is two kind of negative things, which is unfair. One being it's so far away, and then two mm-hmm. being it's already so short. So I feel like they're already kind of let down about it. And that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I mean, I I am let down about it. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. But um, like I said before, I am... I, I like that we they're going to have the time to do it. And if we get Winds of Winter before then, then they have all of that information. Today's show is sponsored by Stitch Fix. You can tell a guy who's got style. He always looks great and seems confident, like he's ready for anything. Well, that takes a certain skill set not all of us were born with. But now there's an easy way to look better. Let me tell you about Stitch Fix, men. Stitch Fix is the new way to shop for clothes, and it's unbelievably simple. Just go to stitchfix.com and answer some questions about your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend. Stitch Fix has clothes for every guy in his style. It's not just one type of look. Your personal stylist then uses your preferences and the other information you enter to select brand new clothes just for you. The items are delivered right to your home. You try them on and only pay for what you keep. Just send anything you don't want back, and shipping is free both ways. Get your fix on demand or sign up to receive scheduled shipments. Guys of all shapes, sizes, and budgets agree. Defining your style starts with Stitch Fix. Try them out today. You've got nothing to lose. Get started now at stitchfix.com OWNS, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash owns to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash owns. Looking for more ways to treat your pup? Try BarkBox, a monthly delivery of the best paw-picked, all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Every BarkBox ships free within the continental U.S., and it's a great way to try a variety of U.S. and Canada-made treats and unique toys from local and small businesses that you may not otherwise be able to find. Plus, each box is centered around a different theme like Country Fair, Bark Ball, Poo York City, or Brooklyn Hipster to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. And when your dog falls in love with something from the box, you can easily find it again on BarkShop.com, the BarkBox app, or by texting BarkBox. But if for some reason your dog doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox will send you something they will love free because they're all about dog happiness. I know I talk about Strike on the podcast all the time, so this is the perfect opportunity to say that a package in the mail for the podcast this time was fun for both of us. He knew immediately that it was for him and played into every nook and cranny he could find in the box. This was a very cool thing and a real treat for him. You can visit BarkBox.com slash owns for a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan for your dog. 
That's BarkBox.com slash O-W-N-S for a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan. So we've touched on this a little bit about the politics going forward and and how that is or isn't going to matter. And we touched briefly on John and Danny, and we get this very blatant, finally, reveal. I mean, this reveal has been slowly unfurling for the last two seasons about John's true parentage and that he's actually a Targaryen. Mm-hmm. And curious to hear your thoughts about what John and Danny's relationship is going to look like going forward and how that's going to affect the decisions that they make and in kind of how John being a Targaryen is going to affect their relationship and just overall thoughts and feelings about and I, and I know you said that you enjoyed it and so kind of what you think is next and in store for them and and how this is going to affect them and Westeros going forward. Yeah, I'm so fascinated because I never really thought of it as being a conflict between them, mostly because John is just so humble and noble and I don't, he he doesn't seem like the type to be like, oh, I'm the rightful heir to the throne? Okay, uh, screw you, Daenerys. I need to sit on the throne. Um, I, I just see it as a thing that would bring them together. But the way they layered that and uh, those scenes and made it clear that it they were trying to remind us or or imply that it was going to become an issue between them and the fact that they're sleeping together is going to create an issue. <sighs> I don't know. I just wasn't uh, thinking about it that way. But um I don't know, because it's it's very confusing, the world, what we're supposed to think about incest. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to be cool with it? <laughs> Just because that's the Targaryen way? Or because I feel like the majority of Westeros seems to be like, uh, no, this leads to problems. This leads to crazy people or deformities. But the show definitely seems to paint it in a at least sexy light until... They try to, they layer, they emphasize it so harshly during the scene, literally having Bran narrate that it's like trying to make us feel awkward about it, but also filming it in a really hot way. It's very confusing. Sensual. I've I've heard it be called sensual. (laughs) All this deep eye contact. I love hearing the actors talk about it and being like, (laughs) it's really cute. Um, But I, I just don't imagine that we're supposed to want it to happen that we're supposed to want them to end up together because i don't think the whole series has been encouraging of incest mm-hmm. so i can only imagine it leads to some conflict or decision that they can't be together or they just get married but that's so neat and tidy and they don't seem to be implying that that's going to be the way it works out <sighs> I don't yeah. know, man. I haven't thought about but this it, yet. The way hmm. they are implying all of the conflict that's going to come from it, it makes it a lot more possible in my mind that one of them is not going to survive this. One of the big questions that we came out of the episode with me personally is Tyrion's role as he kind of stands in the hallway yeah. Yeah. thinking about it. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And we get this interview with the director with Jamie Podesta that Kim did and and he talks a lot about what Tyrion's thought process is there and it sheds a lot of light and so I want to read a little bit 
of that because I think that that kind of shapes yes. how we're supposed to think about John and Danny through Tyrion's eyes, somebody who's working very hard to control the situation. Yeah. So Jeremy says, jealousy is too simple in a way, saying that Tyrion isn't jealous of what's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think what's really going on here is that Tyrion is a strategist. He's somebody who thinks to the future and what the consequences of things are. For him, the union of John and Danny is a bit of a monkey wrench in terms of the plan for how we're going to move forward in a united front against the army of the dead. And then he goes on to say, for Tyrion, this creates a potential problem. He kind of talks a little bit about their special bond between John and Danny. And then he says, for Tyrion, this creates a potential problem. Whatever sway he might have had over Danny might not be there anymore because John may be more important to her than mm-hmm. him. The choices she will make may be influenced by this event. So for him, the concern going forward is just how all this is going to play out and what this might foreshadow. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad we had that answer, at least from Me the director. Too. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was awkward at least to me because for, for a second i was like is he in love with danny because that's yeah. not what i You're was ever thinking, thinking before back, like their first meetings in marine and how they shared yeah, the drink yeah. and all yeah because he has hmm. the look on his face like jorah does when danny and john yeah, are talking hurt. he was just like a uh, despondent there's just like let down right just mm-hmm. sad it was really confusing it makes a lot more sense this way i know we yeah um, theorized it but I see how that could be something to get in Tyrion's head because we saw that on the beach when, when Danny turned to John and said, "Well, right, what do you think? Do nothing, right in his face. exactly." And he's got the hand pen on, so you have to. I don't know. That might even cause slight stirrings of, uh, of you know, memory in uh, Tyrion's past. I guess yeah. uh, after he lost Hand of the King after Blackwater, but he didn't really deserve that. But like, I don't know. It's, it's a strange situation for him. It's complicated. And I mean, I think it's easy to imagine that Tyrion deep down really wants Westeros to turn to democracy and is hoping that Danny breaking the wheel can do that for him when he brings up the ways of the castle black and how they choose their leaders. And the fact that she's sleeping with John means maybe, She's not as barren as we think, and we that could lead to crushing democracy dreams, mm-hmm. and um, as well as having someone else that she uh, respects their opinion more and does whatever John says and does all these things that could end up getting her killed before she lays the groundwork for democracy, which is what he wants her to do before she gets into all this dangerous stuff. She wants her to figure out what happens after she's gone. Because if she's gone, then he has no one else to turn to to try to get this to set up. It's just back to chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, and we know that and we've seen multiple times in this series that love makes people blind and it makes people make decisions that are not always necessarily the right thing and it's not always black and white and so what's Mm -hmm. right and wrong whatever but often our favorite characters rob stark king of the north (laughs) my heart make decisions (laughs) that completely devastate their political maneuvering because they were following their heart and can john and danny keep a clear head can they keep their vision and i think you know both of them are so staunchly tuned in to to what they need to do to get to what they want to accomplish but is this going to dilute or complicate any of that i i think it's it's a good question i'm I'm really looking forward to as somebody who was lukewarm on john and danny until 
when was I not lukewarm on them? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was uh, beyond the wall when they were in the ship together. Or before yes, that. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Or like when <laughs> she you. flew up after spoils of war and um the John touched Drogon. No, it was it was on the ship when mm-hmm. Danny comes to him in Beyond the Wall and he's laying there and he's you know, they're they're having that very touching moment between the two of them. That to me was one of the bigger, okay, I'm into this moments. Um, but to kind of think about the implications politically is really gonna be very interesting and, and how that intricacies of that are gonna play out. Not only between John and Danny, but also think about Sansa and Arya and the North, and all of that is just going to be interesting and, and and messy. Yeah, it's funny. I think this. I haven't thought about this before, but I think this is the first time I've shipped. I haven't. I don't ship the two characters actually, but I ship them for the plot for the very interesting things that it's gonna bring <laughs> right yeah i mean at the very least daenerys sansa and Arya in a scene could happen like imagine seeing Arya mm-hmm. seeing daenerys right up with uh drogon like queen alison landing in winterfell just like whoa yeah all right another <laughs> badass female role model for Arya. yeah another oh, one just yeah. to add to the list or danny looking on as john and Arya are reunited yeah or danny looking on and seeing sansa handle winterfell and hearing about how she took care of Baelish, how they both took care of Baelish. Mm, They're going to love each other. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't thought about the negative implications apart from, I guess, the shallow breakdown of, oh, they're going to be in love and it will distract them from doing a job. But what's the negative impact we've seen so far? Could you argue that travel north of the wall and rescuing John and company was Mm -hmm. kind of representative of that? Like, okay, well... You Not did worth this it. For love. Yeah. You, you, we were just did the uh, House of the Undying in the season two finale for Rewatch the Throne. Mm-hmm. And we were speaking about how Danny possibly um, getting so close to touching that snowing Iron Throne before the sound of the dragon pulled her away was a kind of, um, I guess, analogous for her turning away from the Iron Throne and going north to help versus. Oh versus going straight for it metaphorically speaking yeah. not not that she could, would have flown there instead but i guess turning her attention to that struggle in general is that love or affection or i guess loyalty at that point based on the interactions they had her going forth and i guess the realm is paying for that personal mistake if you want to call it that and the way of the night king getting an ice dragon, which changes everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, she lost a dragon, and they all lost the wall just so that Cersei could pretend to be on their side. Yeah. That's crazy. What would the Night King have done if he didn't get a dragon? It seems like he was just biding his time and couldn't do anything until he knew a dragon was going to come that he could try to take. It's definitely been a game changer. They were so close to the wall, so. Mm -hmm. And they've been there for a while. Yeah. That's something I I also want to ask you about because I'm not sure how you feel about the Night King and the way he's bided his time and the way he's reacted to the events that have happened. But, um, with the other negative thing, oh, I had it in my head. Um, that's happened so far. I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential, especially as far as the northern lords not trusting her, being like, you just think she's hot 
and you're sleeping with her. That's why you're listening to her and trusting her. But she's a Targaryen and you can't listen to her. So if they find out that they're sleeping together and they're not married, it's going to be a big problem. But as far as what we've already seen, maybe the dragon pit, maybe when Cersei was like, oh, so you're on her side. Well, then screw it. I'm walking away. True. But what else could happen? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to think of like Tyrion and Shay and Rob and Talisa and Rhaegar and Lyanna and Rhaegar and Lyanna and even Jamie and Cersei you know I think that there's just been so many and I don't necessarily know if we see a pattern between XYZ always happens when we see these characters kind of following their heart a little bit more than following their head Mm -hmm. but I just I just feel like there's a precedence for it and so for sure yeah I don't I mean what specifically i i don't know i think that's a really good question it could be small or it could be as devastating as danny losing one of her dragons and giving it right to them because mm-hmm. i don't feel like they're the type of generals that would just say well we're in love right now so we're going to do less of a good job leading our armies you know right. i feel like if anything no. they're stronger together united yeah. like that just get married just get it over with <laughs> but wouldn't you say the same thing for someone like jamie and cersei they're just different personalities you know i think that they want different things like cersei yeah. wants wants retribution and she's for she's vengeful versus daenerys i think she went through that and she's on just other things you know maybe mm-hmm. she's vengeful against the night king for for killing viserion maybe i'm wrong but i feel like that's a worthy enemy yeah i think her and john are probably in terms of what their end goal is on the same page yeah. I mean, I can't imagine Cersei being like, I'm not going north to conquer it. I'm going to save the north. Yeah. Even no just way. even just like <laughs> pretending or trying to have that sort of image. I would believe it after the white, though, after the white being there in King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. She was sure. I hope you guys will remember that I helped. <laughs> even the interaction between Sandor and Gregor, which I originally thought was mostly about each other but now that i see it more and especially after reading everyone's awesome owns on the fact um it sounds like he might be teasing up his padawan aria like oh you know who's coming oh. for you i don't know that would interesting. be cool interesting i mean it'd be an interesting parallel to their little sister right there would definitely be something there i don't know i'd be so bummed if it was Arya that killed the mountain <laughs> i know i was like imagine if clegane bowl is the hound just pointing Arya in the direction of the mountain <laughs> you know, you do your thing <laughs> whenever i heard the term clegane bowl i definitely imagined a coliseum and i didn't know about the dragon pit anything about it so when they got to the dragon pit i was like this is the perfect setting (laughs) this is what i've always dreamed of my heart was probably beating the fastest in this whole episode when the mountain walks up or when the hound walks up to the mountain yeah that was the most just feelings that i felt this entire episode not even the night king flying toward the wall at full no. breakneck speed on a dragon. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I've, I've just, like, that was when my heart was beating the fastest. Yeah. What does hype may never die? True. You can check my Fitbit. Honestly, I think <laughs> for me, it was when Kyburn picked up the hand. <laughs> it's just like, I, I see the future now. do you think Sansa and Arya were on the same page? When, Ugh. <laughs> when did Sansa, when did Sansa come to the conclusion, the full conclusion that Baelish is trash and she she needs to trust Arya fully and get rid of him. Do you think it was not until their final conversation in this episode where he tells her, I play a little game? Or do you think it was any earlier than that? 
what I think happened is that Sansa always knew her sister was her sister. Yeah. Going off of everything that she's been through. But I think in the sh- as far as the show is concerned, that was kind they of were the, trying la- the last to fool straw us. when Littlefinger was like, I don't think they were trying to fool us. No, I think oh. that, again, I keep going back to this rewatch. There's so many clues all in uh, all in these earlier episodes. Arya's, when she's speaking to Jack and Hagar before he changes his face and walks away, the last thing that she mentions when she's talking about things that anchor her to the world, she's like, I need to go look for my mother and my brother. And, and then she goes, oh, and I guess my sister or something like that. <laughs> so it seemed like, it wasn't random, the the sort of disparity there. I think back then we could have assumed it was more fresh because she also knew that Sansa was still there and maybe she didn't have an idea of exactly what she was up to, whether or not she was enjoying her time in King's Landing. But after between seasons two and you know, seven, Arya's learned so much more about what's happened. Yeah. And she, she's also grown and she, whoa. <laughs> Cat. Did the cat knock <laughs> you over? I knew it was a cat. <laughs> oh, there's two cats. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, things are heating up in here. <laughs> Arya learned what more about herself, more about how cruel the world can be, and also more about what Sansa was going through. Not specifically yeah. stuff with Ramsay, but you know, the moving around and the, the the changing of the guard to King's Landing. I know that she's intelligent enough to understand and have context there. So I would certainly hope so. I was yeah. definitely pissed if that was what Arya was really thinking that she was that she does not did not understand Sansa's side at all (laughs) or even what Sansa was thinking about Arya I know Arya was really great in that spar with Brienne but was that it that she saw maybe the bag Mm -hmm. of faces as well did she really get that scared of Arya so we had this thing come out this week this interview with Isaac Hempstead Wright who talks about a deleted Mm -hmm. scene where and I don't know if this necessarily is helpful or not, but he talks about how there was a small scene that got cut where Sansa goes to Bran and, and basically says she needs help and that they basically talk about Arya briefly, if I what? understand it correctly. And and what? so she kind of like gets a little bit more of understanding and that's kind of how they get on the same page from what I, and I, I could maybe be interpreting mm-hmm. this incorrectly, but because it that definitely felt like huge. there was a there there's there was a gap though right mm-hmm. between the conversation they had with the faces and basically the next time we see them together which is killing littlefinger yeah and i i mentioned it on our last week last episode after seeing the way things played out between them that like i felt like it came to a, a nice conclusion yeah but that the way that we got there just felt confusing to me and out of character in my opinion and but having this small scene with brand may have helped kind of connect those scenes a little bit more together i'm not sure yeah i think the best explanation i have and how i choose to view it because i think it makes it the best story (laughs) is that they have both learned to be very wary of people so even though they are both sisters they are at least wary when they come together and they have been testing each other Mm -hmm. but they have never been so far as to think this girl is my enemy or even is probably my enemy i think they're just have both been very wary and have been testing each other and then baelish accidentally taught sansa how to figure out who's who and um 
Arya sent that message that she's on her side by giving Sansa the dagger. I guess. No, that's not. <laughs> but yes, no, I think that. That makes sense, yeah. I think it makes sense. Okay, so if that's what was happening. And they were, I guess, being careful with each other is not too far off base. And and not giving up on each other. And when Baelish, like you said, gave her the, I guess, the uh, the framework of how to figure out what he's up to, he also at the same time said out loud, you know, he implicated someone that even though she has, yeah. if you could like, if you could put it on the scale of their relationship as siblings, it's like, well, we may have issues and we may fight and we may have more serious fights than anyone I have fights with, but she's still my sister. And so yeah. that that's not going to break. And when someone comes into our house on our home field and says, all that's true, but also she might really be your enemy. Maybe that's what Sansa was yeah. like, all right, well, this is. I've been looking at this all wrong, maybe, and I need to just completely yeah. go with Arya. And the fact that Baelish just doesn't know Arya. So he, if he tries to imply that Arya wants to be Lady of Winterfell, Sansa can be like, <laughs> yeah. what are right, you talking I guess, about? Yeah. I guess yeah. Arya and I have to be on the same side because obviously she doesn't want what I have. So she's obviously on my side. I think we just figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I still think Arya's psycho, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, where do you think that that's headed? Her, I guess... In game, apart from the list, she's gonna probably kill more people on her list. I mean, I don't know why she stayed at Winterfell so long. Is she waiting for John? Maybe she just wanted to take Littlefinger out. Maybe, yeah. I guess she did find interest in him pretty quickly. And where's Lyanna Stark or Mormont? Yeah, where is Lyanna? Where was Lyanna when they got rid of Littlefinger? Yeah, that's a good question. What the heck? Maybe she doesn't need to see that. We need missing posters for Lyanna Stark. We need missing posters for Beric and Tormund. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Also, Gendry Baratheon, guys. I mean, where yeah. was Gendry? They brought him back. <laughs> yeah. We didn't ran. even get a hint, did we? Where which no. way he was going? Someone sends sends in an own that Still we're going to read in a little bit that says <laughs> something about something to the effect of now we once again do not know where Gendry is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bran does, so we should ask Bran. <laughs> Bran knows needs to almost Google everything. It real quick. The only thing Bran doesn't know is that. Liana and Rhaegar's marriage was <laughs> legitimate, which is so funny. I love that scene so that much. That was a very interesting reveal for us, though. He doesn't automatically know everything. He just has access to know everything. He has mm-hmm. to know what to look up or something specific to look into. He doesn't just already know everything. Well, I hope that at some point in those six episodes in the next season, we get brand just curiously looking back at important points in history and maybe potentially <laughs> like setting up one of the spinoffs or or, yeah. or you know like we'll get him looking at the doom of valeria to see maybe he's trying to understand what Arya is up to or what the ancient order planted in her or something if if it i don't know completely the spitballing here. series is from the point of view of brand watching it happen <laughs> well yeah i mean there's that that's what the opening <laughs> credits are the astrolabe flying across the sky is just his three-eyed vessel looking at <laughs> different parts of the series but he looks back at the the doom of Illyria and, and maybe sees how they had something to do with it i don't know i, I would like some cool stuff like that yeah me that too. Would be neat. some of the magic i love magic me too also we were talking again i don't know how if or when they're going to resolve the um lines that Piat pre mentioned about dragons coming back into the world yeah. restarting their magic and yeah. their magic being amplified by the dragons being there in their tower and that magic being amplified by she being with her dragons mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of mystery there especially with melisandre having just gone to volantis and then mm-hmm. 
when Stannis in that episode was looking into the flames and did see something. That was sort of his big cliffhanger for season two. But also in this season, when Sandor looked into the fire and saw yeah. something, we had that conversation with Tony Teflon, if you remember early in the season, about the technology of these visions and about how the fire and the trees could potentially be related to the same source and it be a, a different way to channel this, I guess, influence that potentially the three-eyed raven or whoever the the, the chief green seer i guess is mm -hmm. at the time and his theory was that the werewoods represented uh, the past and fire was the vessel for the future Ooh. and if we go by that whoever showed sandor the arrowhead in the fire wanted them to go there and wanted them to be there at that time so the dragon could maybe be brought there and have this go into effect, right? Oh no! Mm -hmm. Interesting. What? Like we need Tony back, yeah. nice dragon, or at least the Night King to have it, yeah, to get things moving. I think that there's a Whoa. lot of this mystical, magical element that we have very briefly touched on in this season that we've that has had a bigger influence in earlier seasons. As you're kind of laying out all of that here right now that we haven't really gone into depth in here. And I, I, because it's such an important piece in the books, I am hoping and would love to see a lot of that come into play as we get like the final resolution to how the pieces have been moving. It has to matter, right? I, yeah, I, I yes. What yes. else? There's an animal shooting blue fire at the wall. And I think that it has to be in some way connected. You know, but how how we get there, I'm not sure. But I, I, I think that the underlying context of all of these mystical things converging in the same place has to mean something. I thought it would mean that the wall would come down, and that could be true in the books. But in the TV series, we get a dragon blasting it instead, which honestly is just as satisfying. So <laughs> I'm cool with it. Emmett was talking about convergence of ice and fire finally bringing you know sort of catastrophic effects to the world one being the wall coming down and how it's all happening and i don't know there's so much to talk about i'm really glad that we had yeah. this session with you though briz because like like i said we haven't had a a conversation post extra viewings to sort of wrangle together a lot of these thoughts and emotions for these characters moving forward and I feel, like, I feel like there's a place for the conversation just about reliving what happened, but also there's so much room and we have the gaps between the seasons now. And I don't think that we're going to get Winds of Winter before <laughs> season eight. So we have all of this time to potentially look at what's going to happen with these characters and keeping all of that in mind and knowing how much this sort of ethereal power that we don't quite understand that was again hammered in pretty directly in the caves and with just the night king existing in general um i think it's going to have a big part of the next season with bran and the flashbacks and looking and seeing the marriages it's so yeah. simple it's it's as simple as two people getting married but it's also <laughs> as complicated as shadow demons yeah Ugh. <laughs> yeah, this show, man, and different, different possibilities as far as gods. Like, what? Stop. I know. <laughs> I know. And both of them having merit, you know, at the same time, or all of them having merit, rather. So, before we go to our final owns of the final episode of season Woo! seven, 
which is wild. And I can't wait because so many people send in the best of the best. Um, Brizzy, love to hear your own of this episode. Favorite moment. Mm. Best scene. I think my own goes to Sansa for recognizing that it's okay to be a slow learner. The important thing is that you do learn. Loved it. That line is something I think that could have easily been glossed over. In my first watching, I definitely didn't notice it. I think it's so important for her character and where she's where she's gone. It's I, I think it's very important for her. She made such a big decision here. Baelish. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the long haul of Winterfell, on his knees. Yeah. In front of Arya, man. And owned Aiden. <laughs> for being yeah, for best. real. For Littlefinger's tears. So delicious. Uh, all of his different, all of his different uh, attempts, different strategies Oh, just being like you don't have proof you don't know what went down and then that doesn't work so then you ask to speak in private and that doesn't work so then you you demand to be brought home safely and that doesn't work so then you just grovel and it's so good it's so good R.I.P. Littlefinger hopefully we get him back uh, as Arya <laughs> God <laughs> <laughs> the things they could do to each other oh that's yeah. so funny oh that's so I guess what Arya could do to Sansa just just walking in the room and breakfast <laughs> I mean, what if she's wearing, what if she's wearing his face, and then John gets back to Winterfell, and she's like, "John," and he's like, "What, <laughs> what? <laughs> little figure? What, John? No, <laughs> I missed you. <laughs> I kept your needle this whole time." <laughs> <laughs> Starting things off with Sylvia on Facebook, on to Tyrion, when he told Cersei she has two wonderful children, and she didn't even object to that number. Hashtag, got to admit, Joffrey was the shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. Very important (laughs) distinction. He's not the shit. He is a shit. (laughs) Matthew R. Bavenzi, own to Ned Stark. He died in season one, but still influences all his children's decisions. John may not be his son, but his lessons will never leave him. Winter is coming. Sammy Roz, own to the ghost of High Heart for another of her predictions coming to pass. Quote, and later I dreamt of that maid again, slaying a savage giant in a castle built of snow. And slay him, she did. Hashtag Sansa slays Littlefinger 2K17. Ouch. <laughs> Tony Ferry, my own ghost brand, for giving me the perfect response when I want to avoid talking with someone. Random solicitor. Hello, I would like to speak with you about an amazing opportunity. <laughs> me. I'm the three-eyed raven now. <laughs> conversation killer. Ruby Morganti Durham, own to Arya for recognizing that Sansa was just playing the Game of Thrones. I never could have survived what you survived. Hash- clap emoji, hashtag vindicated, hashtag all the feels. Over on Twitter, we have Carolyn Bailey who says, own to Podrick Payne. <laughs> 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 Own to Podrick Payne's day off, seeing old friends, day drinking, and no one kicked him into the dirt. Hashtag you're doing amazing, sweetie. Queen Schrader on Twitter. My own goes to Kyburn for the sheer lust in his eyes while holding the hand of the dead. Purple devil emoji. Chad Carter. My own goes to A. John Targaryen for listening to his own advice and sticking it with the pointy end. Chad. I know how to do it. (laughs) 
King of B own to Sam for adequately portraying how we all feel about Brand being the three-eyed raven. Charles J, my first own ever welcome goes to bad bitch Sansa. Everyone thought it was Arya, but I knew she was the one with the plan. Hashtag the pack survives. The pack survives. They were at our watch party. Oh, Aww. nice. Shout out. Bookum Dano, my own goes to Sansa for not mentioning how Lord Baelish also conspired with Clay Davis to become the mayor of Baltimore. Hashtag shit. Oh, man, I love a good wire reference. <laughs> Next, we have our friend Sean at Dancing Sean, who writes us a haiku. Who's Wait, is this a haiku? Yes. Is it? I can't I remember haiku anymore. <laughs> also, wait, congrats to History Westeros for hitting a thousand live viewers and for Sean dancing on camera. Look up that video, Yay! everyone. Sorry. Yay! I watched it. It was awesome. So good. He danced. Sean says, own to the writers for a ship on a ship. Own to the season for all the man butts. <laughs> Special K on Twitter. Own to the hound for confirming Clegane Bowl himself. Get hype. Hashtag Clegane Bowl 2K18. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Clegane Bowl 2K19. Covering our base. Aunt Benjen owns to Bran for finally using his powers for good in real time and being a star witness for the prosecution. Yes. 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 Agreed. So excited Bran actually did things. Sansa Stark at SKDubs21. Own to the Hound for schlepping that crate up to the dragon pit just to show the mountain how strong he is. Hashtag <laughs> where's Clegane Bowl. Christine Kippens on Twitter. Own to the King of the Norse butt cheeks. Looking like two scoops of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Hashtag dad ass though. Hashtag king in the bed. Oh, God. <laughs> king of my heart. <laughs> Sid Chaudhry. Own to... Own to Arya and Sansa taking Littlefinger down and making him cry like WTF bro, man up. Hashtag best death 2K17. <laughs> Sounds like you'd get along with T-Pain. Great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, LOL for Littlefinger instead of Little. L-I-L. I'm really into that. T-Pain. Is that you? Also, my grandma definitely texted me about this episode and she goes, I can't believe Littlefinger's died. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's even better that way. I just sent her uh, your drink, amazing sweetie, back. Just a picture. <laughs> Little fingers. <laughs> I know. Little fingers. I can't breathe. Okay. You can do this. Imagine him saying it. Little fingers. <laughs> Little fingers. You want to be more than words, good grace. Fingers. Next, we have Christine Dobrik, who says, "Own to that Brienne Hound scene. I was trying to protect her, so was I." Two Aww. sad face emojis. Two K seventeen, bringing the mood down a little bit. Bruno on Twitter <laughs> owned a brand who became the Three Eyed Raven just to do a voiceover for a soft core porn scene. Hashtag brand kills Rorschach. Two K eighteen. Hashtag Doc Brandhatton. <laughs> the scholar knight owned to John Aegon for realizing a magi may not give the best reproductive <laughs> advice. Hashtag fake news. Hashtag let me give it a try. Hashtag John rides the dragon. Two K seventeen. Amy Lloyd on Twitter at AimLloyd77. My own goes to Arya and Sansa for giving us what we've been waiting for seven years. Hashtag middle finger to little finger. <laughs> Hashtag dagger emoji. Lady Peterson. Owned to Brienne for bringing out the best of Jamie Lannister because Cersei said, fuck loyalty long ago. Hashtag find your girl, Jamie. You. Find her. John Webster. Owned to Jamie for staring death in the face and calling Cersei's bluff. Hashtag mm -hmm. I'm coming, Brienne, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Leonard owned to Braun for wanting to catch up with Podrick instead of dealing with the royals. Hashtag, are they still talking? Hashtag, do they know the meeting is over? <laughs> At Black Gindo on Twitter, owned to Theon for not fighting for himself, but for Yara. Hashtag, 
for Yara. Yay! Baseman Spiff, own to Jan Royce for his refusal to escort Baelish anywhere. Hashtag, I'll call you an Uber. Hashtag, Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> At Christophorus says, own to Ned Stark for his amazing legacy, bringing out the best in all these characters. Hashtag, the pack survives. Hashtag, even Theon. Palindrome, Jen Scalsi on Twitter, own to Sansa for proving all the fucking haters wrong. You! At Hannah Gemma G, own to Rhaegar for naming both his sons Aegon, giving absolutely zero fucks about it. <laughs> <laughs> At Shannon Nays, own to Sansa and Arya for doing what nobody has ever done, dropping Littlefinger's jaw. Hashtag... <laughs> Lord help the mister who comes between me and my sister. At Rulo, own to Ramsey for helping Theon win a fight. Hey. Ouch. Madison Henline, my own goes to all the time Kit Harrington has spent doing squats. Peach emoji, peach emoji. Hashtag glutes <laughs> as hard as Cersei's heart. Oof. <laughs> Sam Buck says, own to Sansa for being the lady of Winterfell we need, not the one we deserve. Hashtag narrow watch has begun until 2K19. Gendry, he writes to us from his... I don't know. Who knows where? Running, yeah. Own to Sansa, Arya, and Theon for doing what we all know they could do, but waited a long time to see. <laughs> Yay. Jill Van Sickle, anti own to the show for not letting us know if Tormund died. Is he gone? <laughs> Robert Targaryen at AKA Rob the Great, own to John for dot dot dot. You know. Hey, <laughs> Elizabeth Bird, you know. my own ghost to the Night King for riding his ice dragon like a pro. Hannah agrees. It was nice knowing you, Wall. <laughs> Sean Mongold. My own goes to Jamie for finally realizing that he is a strong, independent <laughs> commander who don't need a crazy lover slash queen slash sister. AJ George says, own to Sam for one-upping Bran and beholding mystery knowledge from the random scroll from the massive library. He did listen to Gilly. Rachel Dean. Own to Theon for being the badass I'd always hoped for him to be. Finally. Brienne of Tarth at Beauty Brienne. My own goes to my ability to give an own while openly ugly crying. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag resurrect torment 2K19. Taylor Nicole Lewis, this own that I was laughing about earlier in the episode, says, own to Gendry for making us question his location <laughs> once again. <laughs> <laughs> At Clint wrote this, own to Aegon, sixth of his name, king of the Andals and the First Men, and the Rhoynar, lord protector of the Seven Kingdoms. Hashtag 2K18. King of all the things. The king everywhere. <laughs> Brizzy, you have a check mark on your name. Do you think you get a hold of Twitter for us and help us get a, uh, an emoji <laughs> beside 2K17 or 19 or something? No, because you know how stressed we would be picking the emoji? That's true. So that's it. That's all of our owns for season seven and just wanted to before we move into the end of the episode thank everybody very sincerely for you. your participation this season for sending us in so many owns that make us laugh honestly i know i feel like we say this every episode but getting the opportunity to read through your owns and to laugh at them and to make them question every theory i've ever thought of is honestly the greatest part of this entire experience and the fact that we get to share this together just I feel like has enriched my life so much. And so I'm just gonna <laughs> get into it. But I'm just really grateful. And so thank you, everybody who's participated with us and has been tweeting at us. And I'm looking forward to that continuing, even though the season is over. So thank you. Aww. As a listener, I can I can return that. Thank you. <laughs> it, yeah, it's been really, really 
good to have someone like you guys to just listen to, be hyped, and talk about it deeply. And I'm surrounded by a lot of negativity, I feel like, on Facebook. And and I just, you know, a lot of people are critics and just like to only focus on what they didn't like. And it's been real nice to listen to people who just like to be hyped and love to love this. And even if you don't think everything's perfect, you just still have fun with it. Sweet. I feel the same way about all the stuff that you're creating on YouTube. I I feel like it's hard to lock it into a specific direction because your your talent's pretty wide and you're you're doing a lot of really cool stuff. And obviously we resonate a lot with the Harry Potter stuff that you're doing and then with Game of Thrones. And it was just like we have to talk to Brizzy on the podcast following the (laughs) finale because there's so many emotions. And like you said, this is leveled up to be, you know, your favorite right now. And I'm glad that it's it's working so well. And I'm glad that you're having so much fun in the the fan community as well, because I know it's not, you know, the only thing that you do, but you've embraced it so much and you've been adding so much to what we're doing. I just I really appreciate that as well. Thank you for saying that about our podcast and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I heard a real cat meowing as he's in the shade as cats actually meowing while you did that too. So this is extra fun. Okay, well, we're gonna have more owns. That's not that's that's it for owns of the episodes themselves, but as is tradition on this podcast, we will have a season seven overall yes. I guess outpouring of feelings and emotions where we're gonna set up the opportunity for everyone to send us their owns of the season, their definitive owns of the season. And I got to remind everyone, apart from everything else that happened in the season, this is a season where Sandra Clegane, who we thought was dead, stood in front of his brother, who we thought was dead, and threatened him <laughs> in a mysterious way. And then soon after, Kyburn picked up a hand and examined it. It's also <laughs> the season where John lit, <laughs> had a torch lit by Davos. It was... <laughs> Showing people stuff in the dragon pit. <laughs> Demonstration. <laughs> yeah. And and that's from one episode. Do you think so, they rehearsed that? They had to. I, they honestly, had to. I, I mean, I would, y- yes, there's too much at stake with this, with this program, but at the same time, it's so hard to say. I hope people, <laughs> people who are better at Photoshop, please Photoshop other infomercial type of products into <laughs> John's hands. And just like we'll the retweet them. There's also a season where uh, Jon Snow, there's there's footage of Kit flapping a, a cape while he's chained down to a mountainside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. So start thinking about your own for the season because that's no small task. Yeah. And there's also all the serious stuff. You know, it's not all fun and games. People die. <laughs> not as many people this season. So I think we had we had that going for us. I think maybe maybe we'll enjoy 2K17 for what it was. A bundle of good feelings and laughter. Riddled in with some confusion. <laughs> some sibling yeah, rivalry. Some real confusion. And then ultimately, uh, the wall came crashing down. We've been waiting for this to happen for a long time. And I know that that's probably going to be a lot of your owns. And that's totally okay. But uh, yeah, we'll be doing O's of the season. So, you know. At Game of Owns for all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You can send us in your owns in lots of different ways. At Game of Owns on Twitter, as Zach says. And you can find us on Facebook by searching for Game of Owns. And you can also send us an email if you have a lot of thoughts and feelings to contact at GameofOwns.com. Check out Rewatch the Throne on Stitcher. It's at RewatchTheThrone.com. Like we've been saying, we just finished season two. We'll be going into season three. We're currently pretending like we don't know the name of the next episode because it's 
it's we'll say it here on Game of Bones. I mean, we're not actually pretending that it's just never mind. It's a joke. It's a bad joke, <laughs> bad joke. But anyway, <laughs> Valor Mogulis is the episode that precedes Valor to Hyrus, and we just thought that that was cool that they connected those between seasons and so yeah kind of rambling we are but that's so an exciting excited time. to get into season three mm-hmm. and yeah, we also so realized to get into season three on our last episode that after season seven folklore dies down a little bit we're be we'll be going right back into a feast with dragons and that's going to be so fun so if you're a new listener uh check some of our older episodes out we have all of our episodes sorted on gamebones.com and you can just follow along in different ways there and also go listen to Vermeen Javadi talk about making music because he's pretty awesome. Brizzy, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. Um, main places would be Twitter at Brizzy Voices and YouTube.com slash Brizzy Voices, where I do lots of impressions and stuff. And a couple of weeks ago was Game of Thrones. So that's a good place to start. <laughs> I know you were considering starting a new podcast. Can we just call you out right now and say that you should do oh, that? Yeah, Absolutely. I, think it, I think it's in the works. I think it is in the works. That's everything, Brizzy. Thank you so much for coming on with us, oh. hanging out with us, and for talking about this amazing finale episode and for just being hype with us and for being so supportive. It's been it's been amazing to have you on the podcast finally. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you. It's wonderful. This is all I Game of Thrones is all I've been wanting to to watch and talk about and read for the past two months. So this is us great. Too. Thank you. <laughs> with this, the long wait begins. We'll be back very soon. Brands and I can't. We cannot end the podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.